Hi, Rob McConkie here. Welcome to another episode of Postcards from the Bush. I'm calling Season 2, The Happy Hacker Goes West. Yes, this golfing tragic is playing in the Outback Masters. Between games in Charleville, Quilpie, Blackhall, Hewenden and Longreach, I'm meeting up with some of the folks, the artists, the farmers and the townspeople and so many more. Hope you'll join me. It's a beautiful Saturday morning here on Fraser Island, the western side of Fraser Island, the world's largest sand island. I'm sitting in front of a Wallam wetland. It's a beautiful little uh, pond, really. In, it's surrounded by sedges and uh, native bushland. I'm with Nanette Bolsham, Bolshan, who's an artist, and we're going to be talking about the overwintering project. Now, Nanette, thanks very much uh, for coming down and talking to me just on the day that you're leaving Fraser Island. First of all, did you have a good time on Fraser Island? Absolutely fabulous. I know that sounds like a corny phrase, but it's just a beautiful, pristine environment and totally relaxing and an honour to be here, which is corny but true. Now, how did it fit in with your overwintering project? Because you're an artist and this is a bird mecca. Well, yes, yes, it is a bird mecca, but coming here reminded me about all the shorebirds, etc., because I was invo- I had been involved in a project called the Overwintering Project, which was a nationwide project whereby artists were involved in promoting the cause of the preservation of the shorebirds environment down the eastern coast of Australia. So that's a project that's been going for several years and we became involved a few years ago. We being a group of the Capricornia printmakers, of which I'm an active member. Um, So the Overwintering Project is fabulous, and I'm happy to tell people what it is. Well, what is it? Essentially, a wonderful woman by the name of Kate Garinge-Smith is calling artists, um, most particularly printmakers, but other artists have contributed, to produce works of art sort of celebrating their local shorebirds. So our task as printmakers was to find out through the local bird life groups, wildlife preservation society, etc., which shorebirds came to our particular area, um, select one of those shorebirds and produce a print which was our interpretation of either that environment or the life of the bird or any take we wanted to about the beauty of, of those particular shorebirds. Which shorebird did you choose? <laughs> Mine was the bar-tailed godwit. They all have fabulous names like that, but I particularly like the bar-tailed godwit because it comes all the way from Alaska in one flight. Um, And I went to Alaska a few years ago, and I'll have to admit I had a few local beers in the bars. So I thought that was a great name, and it was a beautiful bird. Now you say this tiny little bird flies, I think it flies in nine days, 11,000 kilometres. Tell me about this tiny little bird that flies 11,000 kilometres without stopping from Alaska to where? Well, in our case, it flies, I live in Yapoon on the Capricorn coast, but it does appear in other areas. I know it's in the Redland area, quite possibly. It was here on the sign at Fraser, so it must come to this particular area. But it is a pretty spectacular bird. It's not one of the biggest shorebirds. It's sort of small to medium size. 
um, and it's got particular adaptations which allows it to fly all the way from Alaska to here in one foul swoop. They follow what's called the Great Australasian Seaway, I think it's called, and it's like, I guess you'd describe it as wind currents, ocean currents, all the elements combining. So that supports them in their journey south. So it flies from Alaska, it flies down the west coast of America, or does it go over to Russia and fly down the east coast of Russia and down through Asia and then into Australia? Yes, it's the latter, I believe. It doesn't come down the American coast, it comes across the other way, as you said, Russia, down the Asian coastline, China, then across, some of them even go as far as New Zealand. I do remember that about the bar-tailed godwits. I thought that's a little bit extra further to go. Um, so it's a phenomenal flight. And during that time, it's continuous flight, of course. So obviously their body's adapted to be able to fly that distance to get to the same destination they went to the year before. And you were able to observe these little birds in uh, at Yapoon? Yes, we are. I observed them in an area called the Causeway in Yapoon, which is sort of a tidal creek that runs in behind the islands. Um, there was quite a variety of them, but it was quite hard to see them because you can't get really close. But with binoculars, the local wildlife people who do absolutely everything, well, there's that one sitting on the ground and that's a such and such and all we can see is a little tiny, very little blob. But they showed us all the information and gave us illustrations. In fact, some of the artists even used the for photographs taken by the uh, photographers and uh, the wildlife group as the stimulation for their or the stimulus for their artworks. Well, I've seen your artwork. It's absolutely beautiful. It looks to me like there's this little etching of a bird and then the background looks to me like the most superb watercolour, blue and blue and grey and white watercolour. Now, tell us about the technique that you use. Oh, it's a really interesting technique. Printmakers, sometimes people think we're a little bit odd and all we do is etchings and lino prints and screen prints, but there's so many different techniques. I wanted to capture the blueness, as you just described. So there's a process in printmaking called cyanotype, and essentially it's like a photographic emulsion or a photographic process. You paint the emulsion onto the piece of um, printmaking paper, um, cover it up, and then you expose it to light. So the light exposes that emulsion and transforms it into the blue tones. But the beauty of it is that you can place, physically place those pieces of paper anywhere in the environment, um, be it under a pile of leaves or in amongst the sand. Or in my case, I actually sort of laid it into the edge of the shore, edge of where the tide was, and flipped it over and got all the bubbly, gurgly bits of the water and stuff, um, and then left it to expose. I had to try a few times because quite often you pretty well washed everything off, so I cheated a bit and threw bits of mud and sand and things onto the surface. So it was quite a sort of alchemy, a nice alchemy of using the actual place where the beautiful birds were. It seems like you're using nature to, to control or you're controlling nature a little bit, but largely it's, na it's, na it's very natural. Yes, it was a very natural process. I mean, of course, the photographic emulsions aren't particularly fabulous but <laughs> in terms of natural, but they did their magic and created the beautiful blue base background, which has the, the feeling of the actual sand and the, the water and the tide in the imagery and, and every one I did we had to produce 
um, multiple prints, of which some were gifted to the project and some we kept ourselves. This is Postcards from the Bush, and I'm calling this season The Happy Hacker Goes West. I'm Robin McConkie. Stay with me and enjoy. Tell me a little bit about the etching of the bird that is on the um, beautiful paper. Yep. Well, I like to do printmaking processes that are sort of non-invasive, so you're not using too many chemicals. So I use what's called a paper plate etching. So if you imagine just your shiny paper, glossy coated sort of business cardy type paper, you can draw into that with sharp etching tools or any types of tools and then peel back some of the layers of that paper. So that way you get a lot li- the lines like an etching or a traditional etching, the beautiful drawn line marks, as well as you can peel back areas and expose it and that creates tonal areas, different tones depending on how how far back you tear the sort of top layer. So how do you get the image, the etching, onto the the paper. Yep. Well, it's with any printmaking process. In this case, it involves a printmaking press. So you ink up, basically rub in the oil-based inks onto the surface of that etching. Mm. It it goes into the incisions, which is why it's called a intaglio process. So the ink goes into where the scratch marks are, etc. Then you polish the rest of the ink off so the surface looks yeah. quite shiny. So you can see the drawing in front of you place it in the press with the dampened paper on top and the various party tricks of getting the right pressure, etc., which is one of the hard bits of printmaking, and it goes through the press and it pulls off the image out of that inked-up etched area. Okay, you had so many variations of this theme. How did you choose the one that you were going to send into the overwintering project? I picked the one that, to me, evoked the the sand and the water the most and it flowed um, it just flowed more nicely with the image of the bird so the the image was not just the bird but it was a drawing I'd taken from that particular um, place of the the shoreline and the horizon islands because we're lucky in Yapoon we've got the beautiful Keppel Islands so it's a it's a beautiful landscape. Now this is 28 centimetres by 28 centimetres everybody's image has to be that size are you are you are you going to sell them, your images? We, we can sell them. Um, I gifted one to my beautiful sister and wrote a lovely poem about the shorebirds on it because um, she follows the shorebirds in the Deception Bay area. Do you remember any of that poem? In a few oh, lines, no, just I a few starting really of it? I remember. She had actually, I think I pinched hers, she had written a poem. She had written a poem about the birds at Deception Bay. Mm. Yeah, so that was good. Now, we've got a couple of little kids here who are playing in the sand. They're beside the Wallam Lake, and I'm with Nanette Bolshan. Tell me a little bit more about the other sort of artworks that are in the overwintering project, because there seem to be dozens of artists all over Australia and New Zealand who have contributed. Yes, definitely. Um, we had our local sort of central Queensland exhibition was held down in Gladstone at the regional gallery there, and there... There was a hundred prints then, so the walls were covered with beautiful imagery of the various shorebirds. So there was 
pretty well every printmaking type. There would have been etchings, collagraphs, there would have been screen prints, there would have certainly been lino prints, there would have been people who combined drawn images with prints. Um, there was even some three-dimensional works where people had made books, etc., out of their prints. And they'd made um, birds that were sort of self-standing, like a little sort of um, life-size version of the birds, etc. So they were sort of part of the look. So there was an incredible variety because quite often the project was done um, with a group of artists working together. So we might have individually done our prints but we decided how we wanted to translate that into something interesting. And the really important thing about the Overwintering Project is that it's an artist petition to save these birds that are endangered presumably that are flying around the world from one destination to the other in case of your little bird, the Godwit, 11,000 kilometres from Alaska to Australia. That's true. It is very much a community effort and an effort of printmakers. It's not uncommon for artists to do projects of this nature. We often participate in uh, projects that um, are online projects, sharing postcards, sharing artworks across the world, working on a theme. We did one which was to do with moths, and that went all the way to America. Um, and it was local moths, so it was sort of creating a huge installation. So that's the beauty of being an artist. You can share what you do with others across the world and see that it's of benefit in some way to a particular cause. But it's awareness yes. and action. Awareness and action. Many of the exhibitions that have happened around Australia would have involved um, a different side to it. For example, the local wildlife people um, talking about it, promoting the cause of the birds, increasing awareness. So that was a very common factor um, that hap has happened across Australia over the couple of years of the overwintering project. Now, the overwintering project, how do we get hold of it? Because I sort of Googled it, <laughs> found it, and just sat there mesmerised by the artworks that I could were in front of me. That would be the best way. Kate Gorin-Smith does promote it. If you just Googled Shoreline Art Project, you'd probably find something like that, the bird project, because, yes, it's definitely out there. I see lots of it on Facebook and Instagram and shared amongst wide networks, not just artists, but those who love nature. Now, Nanette, Nanette, before you go to catch the ferry, and I know that you've got to hurry away, tell me a little bit about your own art. You're um, based in Yapoon, but you're very active in the central Queensland area. I am. I'm one of those silly artists who tries to solve the world, <laughs> solve the problems of the world. No joke. I am essentially a mixed-media artist. My primary area of work is collage, including fabric collage. By mixed-media, it means that I would take a print drawings, pieces of fabric, perhaps turn them into an installation, perhaps build them together as a layered artwork, an artist book, a small assemblage. So I basically like to piece things together to create something that's a beautiful visual surface and um, story. That's Is this your story all your life? You've always been an artist or do you come from another world? <laughs> I don't come from another world. I started as a secondary high school art teacher teaching here in Queensland, which is how I finally ended up in Yapoon. I've stayed ever since. Um, but as a teacher, you don't tend to practice your art. It wasn't actually until leaving teaching that I went into the community sector teaching unemployed people. Um, that reminded me the joy of doing what you love both most mm. and I went back and studied art in Rockhampton at the Rockhampton mm. College of TAFE 
um, just to get back into it and then join the fabulous network of artists that exist in central Queensland. It's quite a thriving arts community. And you're having an exhibition? Yes, I'm part of a group called Latitude 23, likewise named because it's after the Tropic of Capricorn through which um, all our artists live. Um, so our f- exhibition is called This is Latitude 23 and it's essentially trying to express the meaning of place and of living in this area in whichever way the artist interprets, um, be it through the literal environment or in my case I'm looking at the issue of what does art mean to the community, how is art a conversation with the viewer and how does that reflect the beautiful place that we live. And how do you do that? (laughs) It's an installation, it's the first one I've ever really done so I'm challenging people to, there's a mat on the floor which says this is not just a pretty picture and there's a series of items on the wall which is essentially like journal pages with questions quotes um, and a little video that shows art as a process that we're not just that pretty pretty picture we are a process you get to the end end result through drawing journaling experimenting thinking talking to people it's not just sit in front of this magnificent wetlands and paint it well it certainly isn't for me it's more than that it's a conversation with yourself and with the viewer when they actually look at your work because it doesn't have meaning until someone else sees the meaning in it. Nanette, good luck with your exhibition. Good luck with your art. I love the Overwintering Project. It's available on the, uh, if, you, if you just Google it, Overwintering Project. Good luck and make sure that uh, the arts have a place in central Queensland. I certainly will. Thank you very much, Robin. It's been a pleasure and it's, it's lovely how these random things happen where you run into people and start a conversation about art or nature or whatever it might be and out of it evolves a podcast sitting on a beautiful little sand beach in front of a Wallam wetlands on Fraser Island in the middle of COVID. So there you go. What more could a girl want? Hope you enjoyed our chat. Please subscribe to Postcards from the Bush with Robin McConkie and join me on the next adventure in The Happy Hacker Goes West. Thank you.